Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Folks, how you doing out there? It's me, Kristen, just saying hi, making sure you're jazzed about this week's episode. You guys do not even know what's coming. This guest is so mystical and she's like straight magic. Okay, so my guest today is Maisha Najuma Azah. She is a tantric shaman. She is the founder of Black Girl Tantra and a Life Alive Consulting. Maisha became a sexual healer out of a desire to help other black women and non-binary folks who have experienced body shaming and social stigma to own their sexual desires, heal from childhood trauma, and use their erotic energy as medicine and fuel for their vision. Maisha's non-judgmental and loving nature allows people to feel comfortable talking about sexuality and spirituality. Her healing justice and social activist background help her remain both spiritually and socially grounded for her clients' healing. Maisha is certified in integrated healing arts, which has allowed her to merge all of her healing certifications and practices from massage therapy to social work to tantra, sacred intimacy, and more. Maisha loves nature, travel, and sci-fi fantasy and fosters a sex-positive, body-positive atmosphere at home with her wife and almost grown children. So that says a lot of it. (laughs) Uh, But we just had such a just an in-depth conversation. We covered so many things. Of course, I wanted her to educate our community on what Tantra is for those of you who are imagining just like really twisted, bendy sex poses. I wanted her to teach us about shamanism and how those integrate. I wanted her to share just a little bit about her journey and her path to such rich spiritual lines of work and the lineage that brought her there, we ended up in an unscripted but very important conversation about race and what it looks like to have representation in these fields, in the spiritual work and um, in the sexuality space. I am so happy that the conversation went there and Maisha was really compassionate and patient and just really took the time to share her heart and educate. And uh, of course, that is never expected or taken for granted. And I'm just really grateful for how gracious she was. And it was just rich. The conversation was just really rich. We talked about motherhood, kind of got into some parenting towards the end And she was just so joyful. Like when I 
talk about feeling somebody's vibe. Like as soon as I got on the call with her, we started the call actually on uh, Zoom, like on video so we could see each other and connect. And I really love interviewing my guests that way because I just feel like the connection and the conversation, I feel like you can feel it when we can see each other versus when you're just talking to like a black screen or something. It's And it's much easier for me to stay present with people when I can actually see them. So we started the conversation that way. And then we had some technical difficulties and had to switch to voice. But by that point, I felt like the connection was really soundly established. But she was just the energy she radiated, I was buzzing. Like my body, I had like a body buzz. My hair was like standing on end and I felt tingly. And it was just unlike anything I have ever experienced sitting across from another person. And I also love that like right off the bat in the very beginning, I'm asking her, you know, about her experiences and she goes into stories about her sexual awakening. And she is just filled with joy and glee and pride and was so open and unapologetic about the pleasure and the experiences she had that brought her to this awakened erotic state that ended up leading her into the work that she is doing today. So I can't wait for you guys to listen And if you learn a thing or two, I want you to send me a message and let me know. And yeah, I was like thinking to see if there's anything else I missed. But, you know, again, I I try not to get too long in the intros. Sometimes I can't help myself, but I just feel like there's so much in this episode. I want to let you guys get in as soon as possible and start listening The only thing I will add is that I am really focusing lately on my email newsletter because I love connecting with you guys. And to me, email feels so personal, like who even gives anyone their email address anymore. And so every single week I am writing a letter. I'm dumping my heart and soul and guts into an email and I'm also including other like fun stuff in there. I'm about to start a book club. Uh, I know last week on the podcast, I had Alexandra Roxo on. She totally blew our minds. And she also released a book called Fuck Like a Goddess. And I'm going to do a virtual book club. And we're going to read through the book together and meet once a week on Zoom calls. And it's going to be incredible. And that's the kind of stuff that I let you know about. That is the stuff I send you details on in my email newsletter. So If you are not on the newsletter, I would love for you to go to nothingconfidential.com and just scroll to the bottom. Or I think I even have a pop-up now that just pops up immediately and is like, hey, here's my email. Put in your email address and you're on the list so that I can speak directly to you. I love Instagram. I hate Facebook. I spend time on both. But at the end of the day, I'm pouring my heart and soul into content. And once it's on those platforms, it doesn't belong to me anymore. I talk about sex and I talk about taboo and stigmatic topics and Instagram could like shadow ban me at any time and take my content down and I would lose contact with all of you. So it's really important to me that I feel like I have ownership of these relationships and I really value each of you in this community. So If you would like to stay connected and get the inside scoop, the pipe and hot tea, uh, the newsletter is called Love and Sex and Matcha, and 
it's really fun and I really love it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Go sign up and enjoy this episode. Talk to you soon. My middle name is Najuma. Najuma. And my last name is Aza. Aza. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they all have a meaning. Ooh. Because my, my mom named me Maisha Najuma, and I changed my last name to Aza. And what's the story behind that? Oh, it's a long one. But um, essentially, I didn't want my stepfather's last name any longer. I didn't okay. get to choose that. Mm-hmm. So I decided I did a whole ritual around it and changed mm. my name. Wow. Um, to release like all of the trauma associated with my stepfather's last name. I just got chill bumps when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I did a big announcement to everyone when I changed it, like mm. a big long email about why and yeah. all of that. So it was and a since huge you chose deal. since you chose Azaw for yourself, what does that mean? Powerful. Oh girl. <laughs> <laughs> definitely means powerful like it can mean power powerful like a lot of different variations of power and powerful but it Mm. makes sense because maisha means life and Mm. najuma means abounding in joy so like when i put it all together i'm like i'm a powerful life abounding in joy like that's me yeah so i made sure my last name was swahili like my first and middle name Mm. that's beautiful I like yeah. my every like blonde hair on my arm is like <laughs> standing up straight. I think I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave all of this in. This is going to be like the first uh, introduction to you. Uh, so, so hello listeners. We're just in it. We're in it. And the energy, like your energy already, like my whole body is like buzzing. Like my skin is like tingly and, and all the things. Like I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to get into this conversation with you. So for the listeners, uh, Maisha, Najuma Azah, who you just were listening to, the origins, the powerful origins of her name, is a tantric shaman. And I could not be more excited to have this conversation with you because I think up until now, and I may have shared a little bit about this with you, Maisha, when we first met, just the conversation so far, they kind of started with like my my backstory of growing up in the South and the Bible belt and like really having a lot of shame and stigma around sexuality and kind of my journey into like sexual liberation and healing and, you know, surviving purity culture and, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the conversations, you know, being that that's my personal experience have kind of been in that realm. And then I've tried to like open the conversation as there are more and more people listening of different ethnicities and orientations and backgrounds. And I'm wanting everyone who comes into this space to feel safe and to feel seen and to recognize themselves in the stories that are being shared here. One of my favorite quotes is shame dies when stories are shared in safe spaces by, and that's, uh, Ann Boskamp said that. And so I just want this to be a safe space for all types of stories to be shared so that people can identify and hopefully find healing through hearing other people's stories and, and feeling um, grounded and relating to those things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so excited to share your story today with people, but also this is like, 
the deepest I've been like working my way up into, like jumping off the like more mystical, like spiritual end of all of this stuff, because I've been really passionate and, and interested and drawn to this kind of the side of sexuality and spirituality, and especially bringing in some of the tantric uh, principles and using erotic energy for healing and all these different things. And so when I came across your work, I was like, this is the person that I want to talk about this stuff, like the things that you shared, I really connected to. So welcome, welcome to Nothing Confidential. Thank you for being here. (laughs) I love that name, Nothing Confidential. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. So I like, I I have a list as always. I have a list, but I just like of things that I wanna, that I wanna touch on, but time is, you know, not uh, (laughs) endless. So, you know, we'll just, I'm gonna let it, I'm gonna let it flow and let it go, but I am really interested in hearing about kind of what brought you to like a tantric shaman is really, that's really specific, number one. And also that's like two very powerful things like doubled up. And so I'm really curious as to what brought you to pursuing that line of work and that calling, like which parts, and I'll I'll let you kind of choose which parts of your backstory you feel are relevant to like that moment when you had clarity around who you wanted to be in the world and and why you wanted to do this work? Mm. Uh, Well, again, thanks for, you know, reaching out to me. I'm excited about talking about this and um, talking to you. And I, um, there's so many mini stories associated with that, you know, with the tantric shaman name. And I actually just started combining those two together in the past year or two maybe Mm -hmm. Um, I've been already doing the work together but hadn't called myself that Mm. so it really was because I was a healer first of all I experienced sexual abuse um, uh, or incest depends it was my step uh, parent stepfather but um, either way, it was someone in my home, right, for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So um, because of that, I was always seeking um, assistance, right, like guidance. Um, and as a child from like 15 years old, I was in therapy. So that was my first form of guidance, right, around emotional healing, psychological healing. And then as an adult, I was... I sought out massage therapy because I received a massage and it felt so, so good and enlivening and enriching. And I just was like, what is this? It was actually a gift, like a friend Mm. of mine, like I was actually driving trucks at the time because I wanted freedom. Mm. I was long haul driving over the road, traveling through all the States. And I came (laughs) badass. Oh yeah. Oh, I loved it. I I loved it so much. (laughs) Oh my God. I I got to see the country and I was like, oh, this is a beautiful country. Like, oh my God, I wanted to live everywhere. Um, And when I came off the road, you know, I'm part of the lesbian community um, in Atlanta at the time. And this friend of mine was like, I want to give you a massage. You need it. La la la. And I was like, okay. And I got it. And I just, I was, I felt so transformative for me. Mm. Um, and I didn't realize that it would do that to me at all. I had no clue what to expect, but all I knew was that I wanted to help other people feel this good. Mm. 
So that was the beginning of my journey. And in massage therapy school, I became, I awakened to my own body. Like all of this emotional work I'd done and therapy was awesome. But like, this was like my mid twenties around this time with massage therapy school. And I was like, there was something missing still, even through the talk therapy. So I ended up doing massage that really, really got me into opening up these places of anger that were hidden in my body. Like I started becoming aware of my body in time and space. Mm. You know, I think that I dissociated a lot and didn't realize it. And it forced me to be in my body. I started feeling pains in places. I never felt it before. I was like, what is happening? I started feeling angry toward people I hadn't felt anger toward ever. Like it was just such a healing process, that whole journey. And since then it was just, all kinds of things like women's spirituality circles and getting into energy work and Reiki because I just had a gift in massage therapy school. Mm-hmm. My teacher was like, you're doing these things that we're not teaching you. I don't know how you're doing it. What is that that you're doing? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I can just feel freaking everything. I'm like having I, like divine downloads. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like in my, like my fingertips were throbbing when I would touch people mm-hmm. or like not even touch them. When The lighter I touched them, the more I felt. And so I just started becoming aware of my own intuition, you know, Um, and this empathic ability that I had that I didn't realize. And it always, for me, is involved with feeling, feeling in the body, my body, what's going on in other people's body. So I just had lots of things since then. I mean, just too much. Uh, I was doing work like um, many years ago, I was doing, um, I... I needed a sexual liberation. I didn't know that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. But there was something in me after massage therapy school when I realized that I was not giving myself something I needed, even though coming out was its own sexual liberation for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I came out in like my early 20s. So that was a sexual liberation. But there was another layer where I started realizing I'm not really... I don't know. I just awakened. There was an awakening. And that song Sexual Revolution by Macy Gray was like happening at the time. Oh, girl. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that yeah. song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like sexual So around that time or like before it, there was this piece around me feeling sexually liberated around communities of women. So I was going to women's music festivals and I learned so much there in like all these like millions of workshops and you know and just being able to run around naked and free because I freaking hate clothes and I'm like yes I can be free and safe and like run through the woods which I love and having sex in the woods and this is the best thing ever why hasn't it like burning woman (laughs) it was like burning woman exactly it was like I think it started in the 70s and you know it was just like so powerful for me Mm. and I was just having sex all over the place and then in in that experience I was a lot of people's first experience of their own sexual liberation I didn't do it on purpose it just happened like I was like helping people feel comfortable exploring because Mm. I was so open to exploring And I've always been open to exploring sexuality, but of course it was seen as, you know, wrong and bad and slutty and this and that and the other. And then I came to reclaim the word slut and all of the juiciness involved in that. And it was just beautiful. And that wasn't even my work. It just happened to 
it's mm. my work, but I wasn't being paid for it. I just was enjoying the hell out of, you know, yeah. like, you know, threesomes and foursomes and quadrupletsomes and 50,000-somes and, you know. 50,000-somes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, let's, let's sidebar on that a little bit. It's really interesting that you brought that up because a couple of weeks ago I did a post about being a slut and about how I'm totally a slut and just like reclaiming the word slut. And also for women, harnessing the power of the slut archetype, like, especially, especially if you come from like a more oppressive background where you weren't able, where you were disconnected, disassociated from your sexuality and your sensuality and all of that. And how you have that like good girl, like karma that's like following you around and, you know, fucking your life up and making it boring as shit. And I was like, okay, you know, like, what does it look like to really embody that from a power and empowering standpoint and to take that back for ourselves? Uh, tell me just a little bit more, you know, if, if you want to add more detail into your like reclamation of like slut and like slut getting then. really getting into it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm bad with timelines, but what I can say is that, um, in, I took a lot of sex related, um, classes at these women's festivals. Like there, I remember this is one class I will never forget. Uh, I think some, uh, Tracy, oh, why can't I remember your last name right now? But Tracy um, was a person who was teaching it at the time. This, there was this kissing workshop. I loved it. I mean, it was just like kissing all these strangers and like really, really just enjoying, you know, being in these small groups and kissing people in all of these different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And that really, really excited me and, and then led me to doing and exploring other things with those people even after the workshop. It was like the energy just kept carrying over and over and over. And um, I started becoming a part of the leather community at the festival. And that is where I really got to explore the slut piece, you know, just like being scared to ask for what I wanted, but knowing that if I asked for it, I would receive it Mm. was like scary as hell. And that, so it was really the slut um, experience of BDSM and kink. Mm -hmm. That was it because it was like, you were allowed to be slutty. Like everyone was slutty. Everyone was kinky. Everyone was quote unquote perverted, took back the word pervert, you know? And it was just like, I could be anything. I could do anything. I could explore anything. And I was like, whoa, this is really okay. Like Mm -hmm. I can do this and no one's going to like tell on me or call me this or that. And it was just like, it's so, there was even one experience where one night, cause we always had lots of themes at camp, you Mm -hmm. know? And there was a theme night where we actually, uh, or a theme that whole festival where we had slut on one side and virgin on the other mm. side. And the slut was a name, there was a name in front of slut and a name in front of virgin. So you, based, based on your experiences at the festival and what mm. you did and explored with other people, you were called that. You're so this think, kind of slut and this, kind, this of kind of virgin. So we've never done this. We've done plenty yes! of this. I'm like, okay, yes! okay. That was so empowering. And That's I actually fun. was like, yeah. So I was like, I think I was like, whipped cream slut and something virgin i can't remember the other virgin yes. but i was like yes like that was so juicy so empowering mm. so delicious and you wore it on your yeah. neck the sign on your neck the whole fest like so people would like ask questions about it and you yeah talk about it and open up dialogue and like and not have shame around it like you said around that whole mm-hmm. shit piece like 
shame wasn't even an option. Mm. This is reminding me of a story. I don't think I've ever, cause I just, I've like forgotten about it. I don't think I've ever told it on the podcast. It's just so funny. It was like my husband and I were in Vegas and it was like our first time going together. It's, and you guys don't get too excited. It's not anywhere near as juicy <laughs> as this, um, quite the opposite. So we ended up like after a couple of cocktails, like poolside getting like pulled in by one of those guys whose job is to look for like attractive people and sell them bar hot packages so that you have all these like hot people at like club openings and whatever. So he reached out and grab my husband and I as we're like teetering down the street, having a great time. And he's like, you guys really need to come on this like bar crawl with us. It's going to be so fun and so hot and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, yes, we're in, let's do it. And so we we're way too old to be doing this by the way, by like, by the time we get there, we get to the bar to start it off and everyone, you know, all these like kids, I mean, they look fresh out of college. All these people are there <laughs> and they are like single and ready to mingle. And we like walk in the door and there's this girl standing there handing out stickers. And it's a similar kind of thing where everyone has like a name tag and they all have these stickers on and the stickers are color coded. And the colors mean all of these different things as we quickly learned. Like it's like looking, you know, attached and looking for X or like not attached and looking for this or like into butt stuff or like all these different things. And Love so she it. says us and she goes, she's like, Oh, wait a second. She's like, are you guys together? And we're like, yeah. And she's like, like how together? And I was like, like married together. And she was like, Oh shit. And she goes here. And she gives us both a red sticker. Like, <laughs> And so we get it. Everyone's like, what's the red sticker for? And I was like, Oh, we're married. And they're all like, Oh. And so we're like with all these drunk, horny, like early 20 year olds, like, and they're all just like, what does the red sticker mean? And I guess, oh, it means we're married and we're, you know, not particularly down to have a 21-year-old in our bedroom, I guess is what that means. It was <laughs> so funny. We ended up like, everyone was drunk, but we ended up like momming and dadding, like all of the like drunk 20-somethings. And they're like over here and they're like, I just want a, someone to commit to, like crying. And it was just, it was really <laughs> so funny. Wow. So funny. But just the thought of like hold, having like, your, your preferences like written on you as you like walk mm -hmm. around, like how much simpler would things be if that mm -hmm. was, <laughs> if that was something we were empowered to do? Yes. That would be wonderful. Um, but that I just, I love that you were able to have these, I like what you said about how you had like coming out was a, a form of liberation though. It like in my, my thought is that whenever you come out, that's such a piece of your identity. That's it's like, it's the first thing you do is not like, yay, I'm like sexually liberated as this now. It's like, this is a part of myself. I haven't even claimed. So it's more like I'm claiming my identity. And then once I've done that, I can get into the actual, like the fun part. So you needed a liberation, mm -hmm. like beyond just liberating you to be who you were as a person first. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So that is. I think that's just so fun. I'm like envisioning this like time you're having. And I just wish that everybody could have a, <laughs> everybody could have a, what did you call it? A 50 million sum. <laughs> I, think I don't so know too. how that many limbs work, but I think that it would be, be very awesome. empowering for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome. And what I love about that is connection. To mm -hmm. me, connection is so important. I love intimacy. I love connection. Mm -hmm. um, it's some, I'm an intimacy whore. Yes. You know, I really, really dig it. And I know that's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. So, but I, what I really, when I look back at all of the things I've done, that's what it boils down to is the intimacy of it. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I've had experiences, for instance, that were like a threesome, 
one time I did a foursome when I was driving trucks. It was horrible. That's just a lot. I'm like, that's it a was lot horrible. of arms and legs yeah. and parts. Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like the coordination required would take you out of like the moment that yeah. is, you know, I don't know. Well, it wouldn't. How does if that work? Everyone's present. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the thing is about everyone being present. Mm-hmm. And so when you're present in that moment without thinking, then you can allow your body to wander and to explore whatever's next to you, whomever's next to you, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do something with all of the 50 million something people, but like, how do all of us connect as one entity? And then how do we connect individually in our little pods of touching, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And how do we all touch each other energetically, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the distinction for me between having a beautiful experience in that and just doing the thing like, a, mm-hmm. like in pornography, for instance. Right. Right. So, right. Where it's all results based and it's not yeah. about connection. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, and it's so uh, performative too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So it's like, I have to do this right. I have to make this look sexy. I have to, you yeah. know, I have to be the thing and make all the noise. Now mm-hmm. make the noise if that's what moves you. Yeah. Right. But don't make the noise in order because you to think that's help. what you're supposed to do. Because you think that's what you're yeah. supposed to do. Right? And also a lot of time, like sounding is really powerful, but the yeah. sounding that especially like women are taught like culturally yeah. and through porn culture to make is very high pitched and nasally and it's up in your head. And like the sounding yes. that sets you free is like low and guttural and like from your sacral area, yes. you know, like that, like yes. the same sounds that I made in the shower on my hands and knees during childbirth. Like that is the sound. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's that orgasmic energy. Mm, yes. You know, so even if you're not having, having an orgasm, you can use that mm-hmm. orgasmic energy. Mm-hmm. Like it's so, so, so powerful. Yeah. And, and that triggers another question that I had like written down for you because in your work, especially um, utilizing the tools and the sacred traditions of Tantra, you talk about using um, erotic energy as medicine and fuel for vision, like to fuel people's vision. Can you like get into that a little bit? Yeah. So the erotic energy for me, the erotic energy is your life force energy. It's your essence. It's your desire. It's your power. And a lot of people are like, well, what does power mean? Like we use it so much now. I don't know what that means anymore. So it's that deep power within that connects you to every other life form. You know, it connects you to the trees, the plants, the sun, the earth. It connects you to everything. Like when you experience the earth, when you experience water, when you experience animals that bring, you know, like that bring you joy to hear them sing or whatever, like that's the erotic energy you know? Mm -hmm. So we all have it starting from childhood. When a child Mm -hmm. is fascinated by a bug, that's erotic energy. And we think of that as like, oh no, you can't be erotic and be a child. Well, yes, we can. Mm -hmm. And we are. And it's, it gets perverted by society and culture and all that, but it's a very pure energy. Exactly. (laughs) It's a very pure energy when it begins. It's very pure. So when you can tap into that again, it's freedom, it's play, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. playfulness. It's curiosity. It's curiosity, it's yeah. joy. And when you are able to tap into that directly to your own, then you can utilize that to fuel your passions, your goals, your visions, your dreams. You can, mm-hmm. it's actually your magic. You know, my son always wants to know like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm magic. I want to, you know, he's like a powerhouse, right? And he's like, you know, I'm a superhero. And I was like, yes, you are. And I was like, 
that is what your magic is. This energy that you're feeling, that's your magic. That's what magic really looks like, you know, is like, how do you use that energy that some people can actually feel, you know, like mm -hmm. with their fingers, you know, yeah. that subtle energy, you know, to fuel what your passion is. Mm. And it, and it makes such a difference when you do, like, if you even take a moment to think about when is it that you are doing something because you have to do it or because you feel obligated to do it and what that feels like versus when you're doing something you're, you feel passionate about or drawn to or called to or pulled in that direction? What do the two feel like? The one that you're, you're passionate about, drawn to, called to, that's the one that you're using your erotic energy with. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the one. And that's what's going to help you expand whatever vision you have. Mm. And that's all you know, on purpose. When you do it on purpose, it's that much more powerful. Yeah. And it's so, it's so interconnected. I mean, like, I, I mean, I talk all the time about how, if the bedroom freaks you out, like focus outside of the bedroom first, because when you start out there, everything that you change and heal and open up and get into out there is going to translate in to the bedroom. And so like that goes the same for, you know, our sex lives. It's like when things are feeling like drudgery or performative or stuck or uncomfortable or yucky or whatever, like you're not in your true, you're not tapped into your true, um, erotic energy and your true like sensual expression. It's not about you. It's about the other person or about duty yes. or about your ideas about what should be happening. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you, you know, just like when you're tapped into anything that turns you on, whether that's sex or your life, yeah. like that's the thing that you can't stop thinking about. Like even when you're not doing it, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, yeah. I was laughing with a girlfriend last week and you know, we were talking about how, especially when you have small kids, right? If you have little kids and you're tired and you know, you're just like, if you're, you're like, you have a hard time wanting it. You know, we were talking about how she's like, I just don't even want it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you know, not to be a bitch, but like, what kind of sex are you having? Cause I know that when you're having really good sex, like toe curling, satisfying sex, the kind of sex you want to be having, mm -hmm. like you would much rather do that than fold laundry. So if you're, so if you would yes. rather fold laundry than have sex, then like, what kind of sex are you having is my question, you know? And, yeah. and so I think it's just like, connecting it in all places and all facets to that sense of curiosity and wholeness and, and like juiciness that drives you towards those things that you want, those things that feel good, like the truest, you know, most honest version of whatever it is like that you're reaching for, whether that's sex with your partner or, you know, making love to your life or your job or whatever. Like, it's just, it's all so connected. It's hard for me to talk about one, like without the other, because they touch, they touch each other so much. Yeah. And it all starts on the inside. Like, um, that's why a lot of the work that I do with people, you know, even when they come to me about working about sex with their partners or their relationships, it still always starts within. Mm -hmm. That's where it begins. Um, and I think we are such an outward focused world. This young masculine energy is so focused outward that we haven't, and we haven't been taught how to focus mm -hmm. inward, not in a way that really is reflective and restorative, right? So it really is about that inner journey 
but not just a journey for journey's sake, right? Because again, that's another term we hear a lot, the, the journey, this and that, and people are like, yeah, I'm tired of this inner journey thing. But it really is about self-intimacy. Mm-hmm. self into me. Into me. I Intimacy. see. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Intimacy. Yes. Into me. I, yeah, see. I see. I remember yeah. that. Yes, it is exactly that. Into yeah. Me. And, um, and that's where you can get the most juicy experiences mm-hmm. around anything, around folding laundry. You know, you can... Yeah. Get that, that intimacy. It can be sensual. Have you ever put a warm towel yes. straight out of the dryer onto your skin? Oh, so good. Cool. So good. <laughs> I love that feeling. <laughs> or like hot clothes on mm-hmm. out of the yeah, dryer. Fresh. Oh, yes. Yeah. Feeling yes. softness, like whatever your mm-hmm. desire, whatever you enjoy on your skin. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And just being really present. Like, I yeah. think that's, that's another connection like that we have to learn to make that we're not taught to make that, mm-hmm. that to be in pleasure to actually experience pleasure. We have to be extremely present because when we are, especially, I think, you know, women, they feel we're, that we're in our heads a lot. You know, we, we leave, we have the lists and all the things. And like, it's very hard to stay grounded and engaged and in our bodies, we leave during sex and during pleasure and during opportunities to really enjoy ourselves. And I think a lot of that is an innate worthiness thing where it's like, am I worthy of this experience or of the time it takes to do this Mm -hmm. or of the, you know, of, of the quiet and the, and the actual like focus it takes to like have this experience. And, but like in order to really like just milk every ounce of pleasure out of a moment, you have to be really present. You have to be all there. Yeah. And that's where the self-intimacy comes in too, is to let go of, to forgive yourself and let go of the guilt because mm-hmm. the guilt is what drives us to not do those things, right? This guilt of, oh, well, I have responsibilities. I have this job to do. I have to take care of all of the people. I have to do all of these things. So then when you do give to yourself, it, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this time. I'm going to do it just for myself. And there's even a struggle in doing that, right? It's like, now, how do you do that and not feel guilty afterwards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It, it's, it's this societal guilt that says what women are supposed to be and do, you know? And that is like reprogramming. You have to almost reprogram yourself mm. to believe, to understand that it's okay and that people will survive without you. Yeah. And that and you that don't owe anyone an apology no. for doing those things. Exactly. It's, you know, I'm sorry I took time for myself. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Stop being sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I used to say I'm sorry all the time because everything was my fault. Mm. Everything. Even things that weren't my fault were my fault. Right. Right. No. Yeah. Not anymore. Right. No. Well, and you don't hear no men out there apologizing for going out for a beer for, with their buddies and then texting you three different times to be like, well, I'm just Absolutely finishing up this not. beer and then I'm on my way. It's like, they don't get home and go, oh, I'm sorry that I was no. out so long with my friends. Like, no, even no. though they should have been home like an hour and a half ago and no. you, they don't, they don't say sorry for that shit. Nor do they even mention that they're going to do it in the first place. It's no. just like, not, there's no asking. There's, you no, know. Ask, no. No, no, just go. Yeah. Exactly. Go come back whenever, you know, yeah. and so we have to give ourselves that freedom. Mm-hmm. Preach. I'm going to work us around a little bit because I think this is, this is really important and I want to connect the dots mm-hmm. for everybody. I think that 
a big conversation that goes on, you know, in this community is very much the intersection between sexuality and spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I think for, you know, you, like all in your title, you are a tantric shaman. I think when people think about tantra, unless they have actually participated in tantric practice or have had some sort of instruction in this area that they imagine very like yogically athletic sexual positions and like a lot of Mm. eye gazing during sex and they don't really know beyond, you know, they don't know (laughs) what Tantra really is. So I would love to have you explain for listeners if they're new to this, what Tantra is. And then the second half of that is going to be what is a shaman? Because I think a lot of people also are not familiar with shamanism. And I think it's an, uh, it is an ancient um, lineage that isn't, I think it's becoming more mainstream. I've definitely heard of and am familiar with the work of some like modern day shaman, shaman, wow, why can't I say that? Shamans. And, uh, so, but I would love for you to explain kind of the tradition and the power and, um, even just the, the role of shamans in the world. And, and then we're going to just connect it all together. If that sounds fun. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. Okay. So Tantra in my lineage means uh, to weave. Um, I've seen it mean many things, um, but it is, uh, it did come through India and it was uh, for people on the fringes of society who were learning this, who were teaching it, who were discovering it. So it's a book, it's actually a lot of texts. Like, so there's tantras that are actual texts and a school of thought. And then there are tantric practices as well. Mm. Um, it isn't necessarily a religion, but it is, there are some pieces of like Hinduism in it, mm-hmm. um, if you will. Um, and for me, uh, Tantra is about connecting to oneness. Um, it's awakening. It's about opening up to everything and weaving all of the aspects of our lives from the physical, the mental, the sexual, the emotional, the psychological, all of it together. It's weaving it together to be more conscious. Mm-hmm. It's, to me, it's just achieving a conscious state where you're conscious all the time in everything that you do, mm-hmm. um, in the subtle and bold ways that life offers information, right? So. The way that I used it in my tantric training um, was physically, right? So we did do things sexually um, as well because that's sort of the way that the Westerners have sort of brought to it because of the way that our society is around mm-hmm. sex. You know, our like you said, the puritanical roots of mm-hmm. our society. Yeah. Um, so it was a way to make sure that Westerners kind of get back to understanding what it feels like, you know, exploring sex, exploring sexuality, but in this whole body, whole human way. Mm-hmm. And in mine, it was a queer, I was taught by queer people. So we used our bodies and we used our, um, uh, so it was Tantra sacred intimacy was my certification. And so it was really about the intimacy, the sacredness of intimacy, how sacred that is and how you use that for everything you do. So for instance, our teacher 
was a white gay man. Like, so my teachers were two, um, like a woman, a trans person, and two cis uh, gay men. And their teacher was a white gay man. They were all white. And there's a teacher that's a white gay man. And he learned from Swami Rana, Swami Rama, mm. who created the Himalayan Institute mm. um, that, you know, created the Medipod and all that. Um, so he learned from him and he came from India to the U S in the 60s, 70s to teach Tantra and other, mo other spiritual practices, which weren't sexual, um, to Westerners, because this is something that everyone should learn and experience or that they wanted to share. I'm not going to say should, but it's something that they wanted to share. Um, and it's important because it's a part of being human and it's a part of being part of the world. Mm. Um, my experience of that is that it has always been white people who have been given this information, yeah. um, even though it came from people of color. And so I started to see how, you know, class plays a role in this, you know, and who gets to receive this information as well as race um, and who's in power. You know, the people in power get to experience all of these, you know, transcendent experiences, whereas people who aren't don't get access to this. Right. Yeah. And that is why I chose to start teaching it uh, to black women, to black people, to black queer and non-binary people because it's for everyone and we're yes. part of everyone. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful that you brought that up because I feel like, you know, just especially now in the climate and everything that's going on, I, you know, I don't think people just like, they don't understand how far the systemic racism and the whitewashing goes. Like, I don't think mm -hmm. anyone thinks to through the layers to all the way through, like who is teaching yoga? Like who is represented the most on the front of like mm -hmm. yoga journals and like who's teaching meditation retreats and who mm -hmm. are, you know, the spiritual teachers who are passing down these ancient rich lineages that mm -hmm. mostly originated in cultures yes. of color. Yes. Yeah. And I just, I think it's so um, important, so important that, you know, that black people and people of color are stepping into these roles. I mean, I, I, I believe that you, you've always been in these roles, but mm -hmm. like actually mm -hmm. having the platform, actually having the exposure, actually being mm -hmm. able to, uh, you know, have your voice heard and your work acknowledged in these spaces mm -hmm. is so incredibly important. And you were really driven into this work by your desire to help black women and non-binary folks who have experienced body shaming and social stigma. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you talk to us even more, just a little bit about that since we've gotten into this, because I think this is a really important conversation to have. I think it's important for people to understand. For me, it really is around, um, being the other, you know, being othered my whole life. Right. Mm -hmm. And us being others. So, um, I'm black, I'm fat, I'm short, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm queer, you know, all of these things that 
make people see me as someone else or like make people have assumptions and biases about a lot of those categories. Mm -hmm. Right. And queer people have these, you know, for instance, one of the things, one of the first things that people think about when they hear about someone who's lesbian or gay or queer or bi is the type of sex they have. And why is that important? I don't know, Mm -hmm. but it's like the only thing that people want to envision is how they have sex. Interesting. And I find that interesting. You know, whenever I have a conversation uh, with cis heterosexual people who are trying to learn but don't quite know how to do it, um, or they're trying to connect. I don't know if they're trying to learn, but they're trying to mm-hmm. connect with me. And the and the first thing they want to know is, that, well, how do you have sex? Because outside of their realm of thinking, it's only like, well, this is how you have sex. I don't understand how else you would do it. You know, and now we have porn, so you don't hear, you know, Pornhub mm-hmm. all over the place that's doing all of the different things, but it's still not enough information. It's still about the sex. Yeah. Um, and there's so much more. It's about romantic aff- affinity as mm-hmm. well. It's about all of the things. And it's still that we're reduced to sex. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that is a problem. Um, especially just even black women's bodies, we're reduced to sex, you know, all around the world. I've been a lot Mm -hmm. of places, um, even in Peru, there was, you know, black women are seen as, you know, sluts and people who, you know, the, like men gawk it and say things to them, you know, before I understood when I was, uh, I was rusty on my Spanish when I first arrived, I was there six months. And so it, everything, everyone seemed every, I had rose colored glasses when I wasn't understanding people. And then the longer my Spanish got better, the more I was like, oh, okay, they're saying something offensive to me. Okay. Oh. You know, like, <laughs> like shit. Okay. You know, yeah. You know, you're like, and you like, have a nice day as well. Okay. Yeah, thank you. you know, but they're yeah. thinking that you want to hear that too. You know, like that's mm. what they've been programmed to think oh, that, you know, black women want all of this kind of, you know, erotic attention. Like you know? they're doing you a favor um, by like catcalling you on the street and objectifying yes, you. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, this is what you, you like, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. thank you. Oh, you know, so, so much. Yeah, yeah. So it's everywhere. It's all over. Like you said, it's all over the world. And yeah. so, you know, and queer bodies, it's not safe. Trans bodies aren't mm-hmm. safe. You know, yeah. it's even if they're revered in other cultures. Um, I was watching Amon, uh, Amon Poor. Uh, what's her Christiana Mampour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her the, name. Yes, Christiana Mampour. She has that yeah. sex documentary about the different the cultures. I watched that. Yes. Yes. And remember the one where they were talking to trans women mm-hmm. on in India and like yeah. they were revered and put on a pedestal, but still not human, not right. seen as human. And so they were still homeless. And, mm-hmm. you know, and this happens here too. You know, you're revered in one way, but then subjugated in these other ways. And so all of these types of bodies, queer bodies, fat bodies, black bodies, like are subjugated in so many ways and powerful in these other ways. And the powerful part is either pedestalized or the subjugated part is dehumanized, Mm -hmm. but there's no room in the middle for them to be human, for us to be human. Yeah. And that is why I'm doing this work to say, I see you. Mm-hmm. And I know what you've experienced. I know some, maybe not all, but I have had some similar experiences. And how can I meet you? And, you know, where you get to see someone who looks something like you when yeah. you're learning, you know? Mm. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's been interesting. I think 
and I, and I think everyone, and, um, I will, this, this might get messy. So I, I just sit with me for a second. I feel like everyone who is just waking up to the situation, everyone who's finally like fucking tuned in and they're like, Oh, okay. Like this is, this is a problem. This, you know, this is something that needs to be happening. I feel like there is this, everyone's so worried about doing the, the wrong quote unquote, the wrong thing. Everyone's so worried about that, that they won't just do like, the the right messy thing you know right. it's like you know, it, i don't know it, i feel like everyone's so overwhelmed and they don't know where to start and it's like just start though like just yeah. start because for me i think one thing that immediately came into my head you know when i started the podcast um or when i had the thought to start this podcast was you know i because i was you know born like white and straight and cis and blonde and like all the things, like all the privileged things layered on top of one another. I was like, Mm -hmm. I want people to learn from and see themselves in the stories of people who don't look like me, you know, like I'm hosting the podcast, but it's very important to me that all of my listeners feel represented by Mm -hmm. the people who come on the show to share stories. And that was something that, you know, came into my mind immediately when I started talking about it, because even in, in the space of like feminine wholeness and sexuality, and I, you know, am doing sex coaching and that kind of thing, I, I noticed very quickly that I got tagged. Um, you know, people start to see my stuff and it rhymes in the other, other people's stuff and you get tagged, you know, with a couple other mm-hmm. people. And when I started to go and look at these other women that they were tagging me with, I realized that all of them were like, white and blonde and looked like surprisingly like me. And I was like, mm-hmm, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to be just like another white blonde person talking about, you know, like sex <laughs> and relationships. Like I, mm-hmm. because that's not, that's such a small piece. It's such a tiny, like, or, or should be such a tiny representation of the experience that's happening. Yeah. And so I am just, I am deeply grateful for the fact that you said yes to having this conversation and for just for the work that you are doing, I know that it's not, um, it's, it's not for white people, first of all, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. And I, you you know what I mean? Like there's all these people who are like, thank you for teaching us. And it's like, um, she's not doing that for you. She's actually doing that for all the other people who are not getting support and are not being represented. And, um, but I just, your work is, it's so important and you being willing to, I think some people are not, um, and, and for good reason, nobody owes anyone these conversations, but it doesn't make me less grateful that you are having it in this space so that people mm-hmm. can come to this space and they can feel safe and they can, they can feel represented and they can feel empowered by your story and they can connect to your work and they can find you. Like that's really important to me. And so I just am grateful, I'm really grateful to you. Thank you. And I, I do agree. Like I agree the conversations need to be started. I agree that we need to learn to sit in our discomfort mm-hmm. and know that it is going to be uncomfortable from the jump. Um, and that we're going to make mistakes. Um, I'm, I'm older, you know, so, um, the, the culture of, uh, calling people out on, on, um, social media is not my domain. Um, (laughs) I'm not used to it. I mean, I, I've, I've been alive before social media started, so it's, it's, it's not my platform I'm working on. I've been doing better at it, (laughs) um, but it, it's not the way I want to have conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, intimate conversations. And so this is, um, 
especially that are uncomfortable. Like yeah. I'm talking about when, when you're having a hard time grappling with the stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I like sharing things, uh, what I've experienced and ways that you can do that. And I like to do that on my social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like to have arguments and disagreements on social media because I no. don't think it's uh, helpful. And I think there's a number of ways to do this and none of them are wrong. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed is a lot of people calling people out for doing it this way, you know, like other black people, like you shouldn't talk, do this, you shouldn't do that. And we need to realize, in my opinion, that all of the ways are important and that we all have different jobs um, and desires and, and ways of doing it based on our own subject position. And I think mm-hmm. they're all valid and they're all important mm-hmm. because not one person can do anything. Right. I mean, it's just like when you see someone, um, you see a movie or a, a famous person, famous black person, famous woman, whoever it is. And you're like, they're not using their platform right. They should be doing A, B, C, and D. And I'm like, I was, I used to be that person. First of all, I used to be that person. I would, I'd be like, Oprah should have done this. Oprah should have done Right. You know, (laughs) but then I started realizing as I got older, oh, like that's her platform. That's what she's able to do. That's coming from her lens. Like we all have a different lens and each Mm -hmm. of them are powerful, magical lenses. And we literally cannot speak for everyone. And that's the reason why representation is so important and Mm -hmm. why more of us need to be out there rather than tokenized because there's many, 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 many stories and many, 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 many viewpoints and many ways to connect. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's more important that everyone be doing something than everyone be mm-hmm. arguing over like what that thing is. Like everyone yes. should be taking action, even if it doesn't all, even if it's not all consistent, it doesn't all line up. It's like everyone should be attempting to do something, to like make a ripple in this bigger, you know, ocean of shit that we're dealing with, yeah. you know, like everyone should at least be trying and- yeah. Um, you know, and I think also for like all the Oprah's and Beyonce's and everybody, it's just kind of like, you don't, mm -hmm. you don't want inauthenticity either. Right. Right. Like you don't want them to be like suddenly shift into something because you think that's what they should be saying. It's like, isn't it more important that they're showing up and they are doing things from their heart? Like that's going to be the sustainable thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not something that's pressured or contrived. Right. Right. I agree. Yeah. No, that's really, that's really good. I'm like, I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't planning for it to go there, but I'm so glad that it did. Uh, that is, well, I mean, you have, you have to imagine, I, I think, uh, I really love it when people come into the space and they share whatever feels like safe for them to share. Like that's what mm-hmm. I want shared and I don't want mm-hmm. to dictate what that is. So I'm really grateful yeah. that you, um, that you brought that up and that we were able to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So. I, the shamanism. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know if that pivots smoothly or not, but <laughs> at the same time, just a, <laughs> well, I mean, along the lines that representation <laughs> is very important. I think having yes. a black female shaman doing work in the world is super freaking important. So like, let's just talk about a, what shamanism is, and then talk about how you identified, um, you know, that way of being as your calling. Um, so for me, um, I was participating in the process of becoming a shaman long before I started doing Tantra. Um, 
So I was a shaman first. And that was my, again, it, I was drawn to it because I was trying to connect with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that the actual training that I experienced wasn't, um, so shamanism, I, I don't really, I hate definitions, first of all, okay. but, um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing my best to like say the definitions of these things. Oh, I mean, um, it can be your personal, your personal yeah. interpretation of it. It doesn't have to exactly. be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the shamanism piece, um, I don't look at shamanism, for instance, it's not a religion. It's an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's connection. It's for me, it's going into uh, other dimensions, mm-hmm. other planes, connecting on those really subtle planes uh, in the liminal spaces and really coming back with information, wisdom, knowledge mm-hmm. from ancestors, from ethereal allies, from you know, source from just all of these different places, from animals, from, from trees, uh, from the elements. Mm. So I connect with all of these beings, entities, and creative allies in order to get the message and give and share it with people. Um, and I think that every shaman does that in different ways and has different gifts. Um, and how they utilize that and bring it and share it with the world. Um, Sorry, knocked a cup off my table. Oh, oh, (laughs) that's okay. Loud noise in the background. Go ahead. I didn't even hear it. Well, I heard Oh, good. I I heard a tiny noise, but it was so loud loud here. And I was like, everyone's going to be like, what was that? I was like trying to put on a sweater all like nonchalant and I knocked a cup off. And it it was like this on this end. On this end, it was like, boom. Oh, (laughs) of course. That was it. Sorry Just for interrupting so you, know. you for nothing. Okay. <laughs> Carry on. So, um, so, and the point for that, the point of all of that connection, all of these um, getting this information um, and being this conduit for that is for healing. Um, and so my job is to be a healer. I've always been a healer. It was already in me, but the shaman training that I experienced was actually from another black lesbian shaman. And at the time, I didn't know that that's what she was doing. Um, The class was really a spirituality, a priestess spirituality class on um, reconnecting. Um, And that's what I was trying to do is reconnect with my spiritual self because I felt like I had gone so far away from myself that I I was like trying to get back to myself at the time. So this was around 2006. And so... I started the training and it was, it wasn't a training at the time. And it evolved into that because her ancestors told her, this is now like the next level of this. Mm. Like you can use this as one class and leave, or you can continue because now this is a, a shamanic training. Mm-hmm. So those who want to stay can stay, but the others, uh, those, I'm sorry, those who want to leave can leave. And if that's all you want and need, then please, you know, feel free. And also if you want to continue, this is now, to become a shaman or this is a now shamanic training. And so that's what happened. And I continued and I stayed because it was enlivening something in me that I didn't know was there. Mm. Um, I had no idea that I had this level of connection and that I can drop so deeply, so quickly into other worlds because I was never given the opportunity to, and the, the space wasn't held enough for me to really do that in a conscious way. I feel like I've done it before, but didn't realize that there 
that I needed support around it and guidance with it. And it was about understanding what our own natural gifts were as opposed to like religion where it's like someone is of the authority and telling you what you should learn, what you should know, what your gifts are. This was us having to learn our own. And that was very difficult because they don't, the shaman teachers don't tell you what to do. A good shaman teacher is not about power um, without. It's really about learning your power within. And I've um, heard some stories from people, from friends who have worked with um, some white men shamans who, um, and this I'm sure isn't all of them, um, but this is just an example of what it can, people can think that it looks like this. And it was really this power over piece Mm -hmm. instead of a power within, you know, where there's a lot of tricks and things and look what I can make people do and look at this and, you know, look at the fun things I can Mm -hmm. do with this energy. Manipulation and. Yeah. uh, And it ends up being not well balanced. And from my experience, I, there was such a balance and it was a difficult process because I wanted to be told what to do. I, I came from, you know, that generation where you're like, you're told what to do. Yeah. I'm like, tell me what to do. <laughs> Just tell and me and I'll do like, it. Like, no, you have to look within, like you find the answers. That, yeah. that first two years was very difficult. I've been in training ongoing for the past, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, since 2006, 2007. Um, and now it's just a little boost, a little more information and, and support more than, you know, but it's, it's just, it's, you never just stop learning. Right. So I integrated it and found that what my gift was, what my school was, was Tantra, was sacred sexuality, was the erotic warrior energy. That mm-hmm. was my gift. So my shaman teacher has a different gift and all of the other students had different gifts. It was about our individual mark on the planet. That's so good. I'm like sitting here. It's, it's so interesting. I, you guys, we started with video, which I love the most because I can actually look at the person I'm talking to and they know that I'm listening to them. Whereas I feel like, okay, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm doing that a lot more because she can't see me and I want her to know that I'm like deeply engaged with what she's saying. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I also like. I wish you could see my like um, emoji. Like my brain is smoking because I'm just like thinking about <laughs> got, like smoke coming out of my ears while I'm like thinking about all of these things mm-hmm. and how they all connect together. And I, yeah, I just think it's. I'm just in awe of you and of your gift. I feel like it's just such a powerful formulation of all of these things and just the work that you're doing in the world to, to heal people, you know, energetically, physically, emotionally, sexually, like it's so, it's just so needed and so essential. And Mm. I think one of the reasons I wanted to connect with you is because in, you know, in the, in the modern day and age, it's like these ancient modalities for healing and connection. Like you said that early on, like it's really about connection and a lot of those have been lost just through the patriarchy and the westernization of things and the commodifying of things and you know all of that and so just bringing back you know people and connections to these ancient 
wisdoms and healings that are available, I think is mm-hmm. um, really important. Uh, it's really important, especially to people who are seeking the bigger picture, those people who have kind of awakened and, and you just have that feeling that you're just sitting on the fringe of something important and you can't quite mm-hmm. make out the whole thing. And I think these conversations and plugging into these types of tools are what illuminates that bigger picture for us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now more than ever, people are awakening to it and not yes. even needing human mm-hmm. teachers. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I was born in the seventies, so I have a, I had a lot of unlearning to do and mm-hmm. a, a lot of breaking of patterns, you know, so I definitely needed support and I work with people who need that support as well and that container right to do their mm-hmm. magic and to know that that they are worth it that they're important that their magic is important that they have so many powerful gifts because i needed to be um told that i needed that support too because i was taught that the, uh, you know i couldn't speak you know children mm-hmm. weren't supposed to talk you know yeah all of these kinds of things and nowadays i'm meeting so many beautiful amazing people from this gen- the younger generations who are like, they just already know. Mm-hmm. They haven't been taught not to do these things or and they're allowing source to speak to them directly. Mm-hmm. They are doing, this is what we're moving toward. It's like everyone is becoming their own teacher, their mm-hmm. own guru. You know, that's why yes. I'm not a guru. I am a shaman because that's literally what I do. I connect with the natural world to bring back information. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm better than anyone or anyone else is better than me or I'm less than anyone. And that is what the younger folks these days are coming in with mm-hmm. knowing already. My children know that already. It is tough to be a parent at this time. Oh, a, yeah, girl. <laughs> I, I can't see. I can't even imagine. I have a daughter uh, who is almost six months old and she mm-hmm. is incredibly fiery already and oh, was yeah. a force of nature from the second she was conceived. Mm-hmm. And I am, uh, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting on oh, that. Like that's going to oh be, gosh. it's going to be powerful and um, infuriating and wonderful <laughs> and terrifying yes. and all, it's going to be all of that. Uh, Cause yeah. even, I mean, even for me, like my, like your part, that's partially true. I mean, I, I definitely came off the fringe of like, well, you know, um, I'm the parent and I know what's best and children Mm -hmm. shouldn't be questioning and just do it because I said so, you know, and that kind of like do what I say, not what I do kind of thing. Yes. And, you know, I think what's so interesting and something that really helped me heal a lot of my like inner child stuff was that I discovered, you know, human design and I had a human design reading and like the part that stood out to me the most was that she said, your inner authority is the strongest thing about Mm -hmm. you. And I thought back to being like nine, you know, like as early as nine, I have memories of, um, you know, conversations with my parents and even like sitting in church and like being around older relatives and people telling me things. And as they told me those things, something in me was like, nope, no, <laughs> like, no, sorry. Like, that's not true. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, you know, I know I'm only nine, but like, that's not true. That, <laughs> that doesn't ring of truth for me. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't yes. seem, I don't feel like I'm going to go in that direction, you know? And I like, 
it's so funny because it's so strange to think of like a child thinking that way. But I literally used to remember thinking things mm-hmm. like, well, when I am an adult, I'm not going to do that that way. Like, because yes. I'm like, I know that that's not quite right. And I know I also am aware that I don't fully get to decide right now. But as I'm taking in this information at nine, my inner authority is like, this isn't how it should be done. And I'm going to hold on to this and remember it because when I'm old enough to have autonomy of my life, like I'm not going to do that because that doesn't feel true to me. Yes. And beautiful. So, yeah. And so that was something, I mean, that was really transformational for me to understand that. And so I, I do, I do see that happening a lot more, um, oh, yes. you know, but then of course, then I am now like parenting. And so mm-hmm. that's, it's just going to be interesting. It's going to be a, an, an adventure for sure. And I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. And I, I think part of it is just me acknowledging so early on that like, it's not even about like what I'm supposed to teach her. It's what she's meant to teach me by being here and yes. being who she is. So I yes. think that's, that's going to be a really interesting experiment for all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and it's holding space for their, for mm-hmm. their wisdom, like, yes. and, and asking them questions, you mm-hmm. know, like, so that their wisdom can come out more, mm, um, yeah. you know, letting, letting them teach us, but also asking them to asking them like, literally, what do you think about this? Like, mm-hmm. you know, sit at their feet, you know, you know, and, and, you know, there's some things, you know, like day-to-day things that we have to teach, um, which is what I'm realizing that it's more the day-to-day, like, Mm -hmm. this is how you grocery shop and this is how you do a bank account, you know, how to function in a society, this society right now, you know, right. Well, and boundaries, oh, boundaries, all that stuff, what relationships actually look like, what a communication looks like, you know, healthy communication. So those are the types of things. But other than that, yeah, my daughter is like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I am this, I don't do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm like, what do you mean you don't do it? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I, when I, when she first started saying those things, I was like, wow, what would that have been like uh, if I had said that in my younger mm-hmm. years, you know? Yeah. And how differently my life would look. So I just think it's beautiful yeah. and powerful, and like you said, infuriating and all of that because mm-hmm. you thought you you thought you were some person of authority, and you're like, right. no. And then you realize I don't even that... know what authority looks like anymore. Exactly. Like, I'm time. Like, Only have to re re um, create what that dynamic looks like in a household. Mm -hmm. That is, it's about community because at the end of the day, it's about community. So, how do you want your community to look? Right. Well, even in what you were saying, like that just reminded me of of what you were just saying about the like it's some often the male white shamans and how like because of our culture and patriarchy and how those feed into everything systemically how you know it's about power and it's about authority you know a lot of the time and so it's it's breaking those systems down in our households so that you know even we are not parenting out of this kind of you know patriarchy in the home where it's like, this is, this is what happens. And this is what's passed down and you just do it because somebody said it and you don't ask questions and you don't do right. all this stuff. It's like when you dismantle that in your own house, then there's mm-hmm. space for curiosity and there is space for 
truly leading through example, because even that stuff Mm -hmm. you were talking about with like the stuff they're learning from us with communicate, healthy communication and dynamics and connection and doing laundry and dishes and groceries and all that stuff. Like they learn Mm -hmm. that stuff from watching us more than they learn it from us sitting them down and being like, so here's how you do X, Y, and Z. You know, and so I think it's that whole like process of dismantling all the shit for ourselves and unlearning all of this stuff for ourselves so that they can learn through our more honest um, and evolved expression of these things. Absolutely. Mm. Couldn't have said it better. Well, one, I'm going to, I want to be respectful of your time because I literally feel now that we're into it, I'm like, I could literally talk to you all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do, I want to... Uh, I want you to speak on, on your offerings to the world so that people who are listening, like they're like, Oh, thank God. Finally, like somebody I can connect to (laughs) somebody I can work with. Um, I know you are actively, I think, I believe you have a book that is out there that I would love for you to talk a little bit about. I'm going to link that, um, in the show notes. And then I believe you have a workshop coming up in the Atlanta area in September. So I would love just a, a rundown on the offerings that you have, what's available, how people can work with you and connect with you. Well, I don't have a book, but I am in a book. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I am working on a book uh, right now, but the book that I'm a part of, it's an anthology and it's called Queer Magic. Um, That's the one that I saw on your website. That's what I was referring to. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Queer, queer Magic uh, Beyond Boundaries, something about Beyond Boundaries. Um, Sorry, I didn't have it up because I need to look at everything (laughs) (laughs) with my memory. But uh, Queer Magic, Power Beyond Boundaries, I believe. Mm. Um, And I'm on, I'm early in there talking about Tantra Mm, um, from a Black woman's perspective, a Black queer woman's perspective. So I think I'm in on like page 16 or something. Uh, you can get it on Amazon or all of any of those. If you Google queer magic, power beyond boundaries, you'll find it. Um, great, great editors. Fantastic. Who um, put that together. Uh, my workshop in September is, it's actually for sex down South and it was going to be in, live and in person, but because of COVID, it's mm-hmm. not going to be it's virtual. Now. Um, it's going to be virtual okay. now. And they've actually, move the conference to like January or February. They're working on that, the actual in-person. Gotcha. Okay. But, um, but it is going to be virtual. And if you go to sexdownsouth.com, you'll see when that is, but it, it, look at it. I'm trying to find a date. Well, I will definitely, um, I will link all that stuff, but it sounds like maybe it's not even completely set. So the best thing people can do is just connect with you because I'm sure you'll be sharing about that as it's coming up and then they can, they can get to it and sign up for that if they would like to do the workshop. Well, what is set is that the workshop, the virtual workshop is set. Perfect. Uh, the in-person one isn't. So, so sexdownsouth.com is where they can get information. Yeah. And it, it's September 10th through 12th. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Sexdownsouth.com. And I always do, if you look on my website, um, which is www.blackgirltantra.com. If you look on the website, you'll see that I have sacred events, which are like the wheel of the year. So right. Awesome. Lamas is coming up this Sunday. Uh, and then the next one will be autumnal equinox and all that. So I do something virtually right now uh, for each of those 
wonderful of the year. Yeah. Amazing. So lots of good stuff coming up. So, but that's what's going on right now. And I'm really, really excited about doing this work. Mm. Um, I, it's one of those things where I wanted to do this work for everyone. And I was doing this work for everyone for a long time. And then I was like, I really like my, had to focus on my passion people. Um, and my passion people are black women and queer women of color and non-binary people of color. So, mm. that's um, amazing. so that's where I am right now. And then I feel like I'll branch out again later on. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's ever, ever evolving. It's evolving. not, it's not fixed. You're just continuing to learn no. and expand and grow. And yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's incredible. And be authentic and honoring of myself mm. and my journey and where I am right now. Yeah. Well, and as, I mean, as individuals, you hope that you continue shifting and evolving and growing and changing your mind and choosing new things and expressing mm -hmm. different things in different ways. And so, you know, in order to stay truly honest, you have to be able to pivot and do that, you know, with mm -hmm. transparency and curiosity. And I just, I think that's the most beautiful part of the human experience. I love that part. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, Maisha, it has been an absolute um, pleasure and also extremely fun talking to you about so many important things. And I, uh, you know, I, I love the thought of kind of deep being able to demystify some of the more mystical things for people so that they're not scared mm -hmm. or intimidated to, to explore and to get into it and to get educated on some of these things. And I think you've mm. um, really helped me do that today. And so I'm just really, really grateful to you for that and for all of the incredible and impactful heart centered work that you are doing in the world. Thank you. I had a great time talking to you. Hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least, shaken things up in a productive way. Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.